Welcome to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We are a life-giving church for everyone. We are multi-generational, multicultural, and exist to multiply by reaching our community both locally and globally with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that this message helps you in your walk with Jesus. Hey, um, we are in part four of a series that we are calling Influencers. And um, in part one of our series, Um, We have said that anybody who is a Christ follower is called to be an influencer for him. And so uh, week one, to start it all off, we gave you the methods of the influencer. You guys remember that where we kind of put a lot of tools in your hands and said, this is how you can be an influencer to those who are your family, your friends and your followers. And then in part two, Molly Stillman came and gave a great, great message. Um, She talked about the heart of revival, and and she really gave us the motive of the influencer. And uh, and then last week, we talked about the mindset of the influencer. And that asked the question, no matter where you are, to ask yourself, how can I be an influence for Christ in this context, like in in this situation, um, with these children, right? Uh, When they're driving you nuts, Or when everything is great, how can I be an influencer for my kids? How can I be an influencer to my friends? And how can I be an influencer for Christ when I'm outside the church, when I'm out in the community, when I'm when I'm at the job or or at this corporation or in this school or with this circle of people? How can I be an influence for Jesus? So we talked about uh, that last week in the mindset. And so this week we have a guest speaker. And uh, this is, he's going to bring you part four, um, but this guest speaker, some of you may remember him. How many of you guys go all the way back to the Cedar Grove days? Anybody? There we go. We got a couple of hands. We got a lot of hands. There we go. Um, and so we, uh, he came and he preached when we were in Cedar Grove. And uh, Quavis Walker is a longtime friend of me, my family. I've even preached about Quavis before. Um, and so uh, I met Quavis when, man, he, um, he was coming in fresh off of the street. And um, I remember he gave his life to the Lord. And when he turned to the Lord, man, he turned with his whole heart. And so you're talking about a guy who is from Rochester, New York, in the city, who was out there freestyle battle rapping with other people. You guys know what that is? Like, yeah, they're there. And uh, when he turned to the Lord, it was just like the Lord put a message in his heart and he used that gift to continue to just spread the gospel through song, through preaching, through, through demonstrating the love of Christ. Right now, he's got a significant ministry in Rochester where they are, they're just blessing the community. Um, got a strong influence on, upon the youth of that generation and that city. And um, Quavis is a man of God. He, uh, he's got an awesome wife, and he's got a ton of kids, and we're just so glad that they're here today. And um, I believe he's going he's gonna to speak to our hearts. And so, Generation Life Church, I would like for you to just make all kinds of noise and show your love for Quavis Walker, everybody. All right. Thank you. All right. All right, y'all. Um, hello, my, uh, let's pray first. Uh, Father God, thank you for this time. I pray you open our eyes and ears to everything we need to learn to draw us closer to you privately, publicly, separately, and collectively. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 
Um, hello, everybody. My name is um, uh, Quavis Nolan Walker. I'm 41 years old. My wife's name is Sarah Lynn Walker. My son's name is Nehemiah James Walker. My other son's name is Nolan Well Walker. My daughter named Naomi Elizabeth Walker. My other son's name is Nathan Nicodemus Walker. My other son's name is Nahum Lord Walker. And my dog's name is Recon and Jacob Ian. I love Jesus a lot. Um, uh, it's always... And it's always a pleasure to go minister God's word. And as uh, Pastor Keith said, um, when, I, when I came back to the Lord, it was, it was only one way I needed to go, you know. Um, and, um, you know, when you don't live for the Lord and you see how your life is and how regretful it is, it's like, what's the worst that can happen by following Jesus? You know, so um, that's what I chose to do. And that was uh, one thing I do appreciate um, about Keith is that whenever he has to go somewhere, it's for a mission, you know, um, and it's like to wherever he went, he plants or he waters seeds. Um, so wherever his family landed, it was like, Lord, we are here to do the mission, to do your work, to be a light so we can, so we can get poured into and we can pour into others. And I was, um, I was telling my uh, wife earlier on our way here, I said, so many, you know, younger guys, they, um, they be somewhere for a year or so, then they say, God gave me another opportunity. No, he did not. You know, you're just looking for a bigger platform because you got a brand. You want to bring light to your brand. You don't want to bring light to the name of Jesus. You don't want Jesus to use you in those areas so we get bored. And then we say, you know what? I'm leaving. God is calling me somewhere else. No, he's not. Sit down. You know, uh, Jesus ministered. His recorded ministry was for three years. His recorded ministry was for three years, and these people are leaving after a year and a half talking about God has called me. No, he did not. Uh, he did call you. You just didn't respond because um, you was asking, should I stay? And he called your name to give you an answer, and you didn't want to listen. Um, so when, uh, when I knew he was going to come down here in July, um, when uh, Keithy asked me um, to, to continue in a series of Influence in the Light, and, um, and that's one thing we struggle with as believers is showing the light, you know, the light in the life of Jesus because it causes us to humble ourselves. It causes us to put our needs away and to embrace them on every level. And there's so many ways of showing the light to people and to ourselves. Sometimes it becomes very uncomfortable for us to show the light. Sometimes we got to shake things up to, to show the light. And, um, and sometimes... Maybe sometimes, not all the times, I can shake things up a little bit, I'd say. Um, but I, I look at it like, listen, man, you know what I mean? It got to be said, the, gent the word says a gentle tone breaks the bone, so either way, the bone is going to break. So, um, and sometimes you have to shake things up in order for God's light to be shown. Because that's what Jesus did for three years. He shook up people's personal lives and he shook up the lives of the community. So um, one of the ways I start thinking about how do we influence the light, how do we show the light for Christ, um, who God is in our lives and who he is in everyone else's life, I thought about Psalms 23. So if you um, have your Bibles or if it's on the screen, uh, you do Psalms 23. Um, I like this a lot. We break the whole thing down where it says, um, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leaveth me beside still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leads me in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff shall comfort me. It's stop right there, right? Let's go all the way back to the top of it, right? Where it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want, right? So that right there is saying, Lord, 
I'm saved. Lead me. Guide me. And David being a shepherd, David being a shepherd, the way the sheep was looking at him, he's like, yo, this is a testimony of how I should be looking at the Lord. Because the sheep don't know much. The thing about sheep is that they stink. They're dirty and they stink. Out in Rochester over there, it's a, it's a town called Parrington. Um, I would go play basketball over there. And when you drive up there, you can smell the sheep doo-doo throughout the whole town. That, and that farmer wouldn't sell it. Right? He sold bits of it because it's worth millions. But you think about it. I am neglected by my, uh, my dad. Right? I, I know that I'm better off than my brothers, but my, 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 my dad don't want to see it. I'm looked down upon. I'm just a little servant boy. Right? And I'm amongst the sheep. Everything about me is all jacked up right now. When you're that young, you're still a teenage boy, and you're not wanted by your parents, by your dad, and your brother's looking down on you. And you're looking to the sheep, and you're looking at the sheep, and it's so interesting how God used those small things to remind you on how you need to serve them. He used those most insignificant things and say, hey, if you look at that, you're going to realize how you need to serve me. So he's looking at this sheep, and the sheep is following him, right? He's cleaning his sheep. The sheep goes to him whenever they, need, whenever they need something to eat, drink, or whatever they need protected. So he is like, you know what, Lord? You are my shepherd. It's no longer about my wants. You're going to provide everything for me. You're going to take care of my needs. Then it says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He compels me to rest. That is the one thing I see a lot of us believers don't do. We don't like to rest. A lot of people don't need therapy. They just need to sit down and chill. Take one day to relax. Oh, I need to go see my therapist. Let your therapist be your Roku remote, the couch, some pepperoni, cheese, and Doritos, and just chill. People be like, Quavers, you got five kids. I know. I was there. I know I have five kids. You don't got to remind me. How do you have five kids? None of your business how to have five kids, okay? So they'll be like, how do you get time to rest? I said, listen, I said, Mondays I play softball, we go to Bible study. Um, Tuesdays I used to go to the open mics, but I, 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 I'm the chaplain at the, the juvenile detention center. There's three of them in Rochester, right? So on Tuesdays I got to drive out to the girls' facility, right? And it's a five-hour drive, you know, just there and back, between, just there and back or whatever. I come home, I'm tired. Wednesdays, we don't do too much of nothing. Thursdays, I go to Open Door Mission or I'll do an outreach, right? Open Door Mission is on homeless shelters and I'm a chaplain of. Friday, I take the kids out. Saturday, my wife and I go out, right? Sunday, I go to reach at my job, meet my wife and kids at church, and then they go to her people's house. I'll go home and do nothing. I either play basketball or I'll walk through town or I'll watch some action movie of Sylvester Stallone flipping off an airplane, shooting at a dinosaur. You know that guy stuff, right? And, and I, said, I, I said, if I don't got rest on Sunday, they're not going to like me Monday through Saturday, right? I told my wife one time, I said, you know when you met me, I wasn't married and had no kids, right? I said, so me playing basketball, me doing wild and crazy stuff is the reason you liked me. So I'm not going to lose who I am, right? So he will compel you to rest. God, the word says he gives peace and rest to those he loves. If you know God loves you, then he gave you a time of rest. You have to rest, right? So he said, I compel you. I'm going to make you rest, right? He said, he make me to lie down in green pasture. He leave me beside still waters. Now there's peace. Huh? I got saved. Now I got rest. Now he's giving me peace now. 
And that's another thing we struggle with. When you don't got rest, there is no peace. So when you start saying there's no peace in your life, start saying how much rest do you have in your life? Right? These are just the first two things God gives us after we get saved. Salvation, I'm going to give you rest. Then I'm going to give you peace so you can be at ease. So he said, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still water. He restores my soul. Now I'm refreshed. I feel I, now my energy is new. When the word talks about how the eagle, he, he renews our strength like the wings of an eagle. One thing about an eagle, right, the harpy eagle, right, I, I like animals a lot. They can spot something 200, 200 uh, uh, miles from the air. They can look at that little fish all the way up there. They just spot it, right? And they can zoom down up to 50 miles per hour and go grab it, right? So he gives us our strength so we can have that eagle-like vision. I'm restored. My strength is here now. I'm just like that heartbeat eagle where I can sit 200, 200 uh, feet up in the air and I can look down and see that one little fish. So now when I go out and I go minister, I'm not trying to minister to everyone that's out there. God is giving me someone specific. He gave me someone to go after. But if I'm not rested, if I don't have no peace, if I'm not restored, I don't know where I'm going to go now. I don't know what I'm going to do. So now he says, uh, he lead, then it says, he lead me in a path of righteousness for his name's sake. Now imagine David saying that because through his, now righteous means justified by God, right? Now he was not justified by his dad and his brothers. So he was pushed aside. So now he comes to a point of saying, you know what? I am justified by God. I can move forward for his name's sake, right? It is God who leads me now. So I don't care what you say. I don't care how you say it. It is God who leads me. I love it when it says in John 8, 8 14 or John 14, 8, where he says, if I tell, he told the Pharisees, if I testify on my own behalf, my testimony is valid. For I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. You don't know where I came from nor where I'm going. I'll tell you, that was, my, that was the scripture I would walk by almost every single day when I came back to the Lord. Because I knew the hell that I came from. Right? And if you just want to judge me from where I used to be at, that's fine. That's between you and the devil. That has nothing to do with me. I'm going to move forward because I know where I came from. And now that same intensity I had to do wrong, God just purified that intensity now because I've been justified. You've been justified by God to show his light. So, when, so I was at this meeting one time, right? This was about two years ago in Rochester. We get real corny with stuff, right? And um, so they wanted to do the black versus white thing. I didn't know that was what the meeting was about. I thought the meeting was one of them community meetings. But I was even mad that I was at a community meeting because I can't stand them things. So I'm sitting there. My hair was all crazy. I'm mad. I'm tired. And everybody keep talking about, and I think white people should do this. And black people, I said, so, oh, this is one of those make white people feel bad about being white meetings. Okay, so I'm, sit, I'm not saying a word. I'm sitting in the back. I'm like, Lord, keep me quiet because they're going to shoot me if I talk. Right? And I'm, I was doing good. And I'm looking at the guy running it. And he, I know he was a believer. So he's just, so I said, hey, I said, you know we got no creative control in heaven, right? I said, you know that, right? So I looked at him. I said, ain't you glad your kid's white? And his eyes bugged on. People turned and looked at me. I said, because if they came out any other color, you have an issue, right? And he was like, 
So I just went off on a tangent. I don't know what I said after that. I just started blacking out. I was so mad, right? I am justified by God to bring the truth to shake things up at times. And a lot of times we look at our skin color and our age and get mad at God and say, I can't bring the light anywhere. How arrogant are you? Man, I cannot wait. Nobody sits up and says, oh, man, I can't wait to pass away at 41. That's going to be crazy. I say, I want to make it to 60, 70 years old. I, I do this Bible study. I hope I went to Bible study on Wednesdays. I'm the, uh, I'm the youngest guy in there, right? And these guys got me by like at least 25 years. And they said, Quavis, you have a lot of wisdom, da 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 And I said, what good is that wisdom if I can't make it to your age? I said, y'all been married 25 years, 30 years, 40 years. Your house are paid off. Your kids got family. I said, man, you guys are ministering to me. So it's not so much about breaking down the scripture. It's how you live in the scripture in your life that's bringing the light. So now you're justified by God to show that light. So now here we got salvation is one. We got uh, rest. We got peace. We're restored. Now we have uh, justification. Then it says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. You mean to tell me? That next scripture should say, after I had all that good stuff, it should say, he leads me to the place of milk and honey where his wisdom overflows. I went through all of that just to have death on my heels? <laughs> I went through all of that. God, you saved me from darkness. What are you talking about? You told me if I get saved and follow you, I will be okay. And here I am walking through the valley, and I got death right on my heels. What an oxymoron that is. I got, I'm, I'm out here telling people how great Jesus is just to have death around the corner. Then he says, I fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff shall come soon. Now look at that. The only way you can see the shadow is if there's light. So in them dark times, God's light is showing, right? So you can see the evil that's trying to destroy you. You know what's wrong with you. You know exactly what's wrong with you. And when you get into that valley and that light shines, the light is going to expose everything you know that's wrong with you. So I just surprised my wife and kids with a house back in April, right? It's the second house we had got, right? She had no idea I got the house. She didn't even know I signed any papers or none of that. So she didn't know where our money was going. I advise you guys that don't, that's married and ain't got a house, she has to do the same exact thing, right? Because it's, it's going to be a memory, right? So I got this house. She think we about to move into this two-bedroom apartment. Right, we living in a hotel for two weeks, right? It was three, almost three, it was almost three, yeah. And um, the house needed to be worked on. As they working in the house, fire shoots out the, the outlet, right? It's crazy, and I'm looking like, dang, I'm already signed sealed into this house too. The pipes busted in the ceiling and they flooded in the split level. And I'm like, is it too late, uh, you know? And um, so we get everything fixed up. I left the outside of the house looking jacked up. So she walks in, she gets surprised, you know, all that good stuff. But there was stuff that still needed to be done. So if you walked in our house at that time, you'd be like, oh, my gosh, Quavers, your house is nice. But I'm like, no, I know the piping have to be done. I know some plumbing has to be done. I got to get rid of this stove. I'm a bathroom person. The bathroom is not nice. I can't settle. So I know I got to get the bathroom and stuff done. You, you guys see a big backyard, but I see the big tree that's right over our roof. That it, The type of winters we have in Rochester, that, that tree bark can fall on our roof. So I'm looking at everything that's wrong. But in the midst 
of knowing what's wrong, if you let everyone give you compliments, that becomes your confidence, then you become incompetent. That means you're not going to move. You're going to ignore everything that God has been shining in your life that needs to be fixed. You know what's wrong with you. And sometimes it takes that valley and that light in that valley for God to say, look what's on your heels, man. We say some of the wildest things. They says, well, my, my fear doesn't stand a chance. My fear? You personalizing fear? I thought you had perfect love in you. Like, are we serious? That's like me walking in my house saying, yeah, these roaches don't stand a chance when I turn these lights on. When God gave you the race so you can turn, you don't got to worry about turning on the lights and be like, let me walk in and bring in some company and say, okay, let me walk in first. Because you know the roaches are scattered, right? Why am I claiming something God says have no life in you? That's what the light shows. The light will show everything that's wrong with you. Then he says, my rod and my staff, my rod is going to keep you in line. It's going to keep everything that was trying to stop you from showing that light. The wolf. He will beat the wolf away from you. I was telling the kids at the jail, they, they, I said, you know, I can beat a wolf. They was like, man, you can't. I said, listen, a male wolf at most, you get a big one, that'd be 175 at most. They only bump this big, right? I said, all they do is growl. I said, that's why they go in packs, right? Because they, they try to chase you into a pack. I said, but if you met a wolf by itself, you can win, right? They said, I don't know about that. I said, but it's the truth. You know, I'm not, I'm not scared of, you know, any of that stuff, right? If I had a wolf head on, I promise you, I would go viral for killing that wolf, right? right? I, 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 that's just how I feel. But if I run, it's going to lead me to something that I can't defeat. That's what the enemy does. The enemy will pump so much fear in you to get you to run away from the strength that God has given you to take this thing down, to say no, and next thing you know, you're surrounded. First it was depression. Now it's anxiety. You could have went on depression and said, nah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. If I got to say that every day to the day I die, no. But depression is so big. It's like, you know what? This is who I am. This is what I submit to. This is what I bow down to. Then you run this way. Then there's anxiety. Then, then, then there's greed, then there's anger, then there's everything that attaches itself to it. Now you're beating beat left and right because you refuse to stand your guard and show the light into the enemy because the word, next scripture says, he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Then my enemies are going to watch me eat now. The light is going to shine in me because my enemy is my flesh. So the light of Christ has to shine in me to shut my flesh up. And in that valley, it is so scary. But the word of God says in Isaiah 30, verse 21, it says, you may look to the left, you may look to the right, but you hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way walk in it. You are called to be distracted. You're just not called to stay distracted. Our problem is we are staying distracted. When we, look at, when we look at our children, those who had children when they were young, and we look at them walking, they are so distracted. When they're trying to run up ride their bike, they are distracted. You know what we do? We ride with them, right? You hear a voice behind you saying what? This is the way. When you're teaching your kids to ride a bike, right, you don't really stand in front of them. You stand behind them 
saying, it's okay, get up. You, you know that they're swerving left and right, but they're going to get up because the Bible says, though a righteous man falls seven times, he will rise up again. A man that is justified by God will fall seven times, but he will get up again. That eighth time will be a new beginning. So every time you fall and you get up because you realize you're justified by God, it is a new beginning. So when you fall today, you can get up because you're justified by God to get up and say, this is a new beginning. In that valley, you will be distracted, but the light behind you is shining. So when you look into the left and you're looking to the right, you can still move forward. It's like that movie Prince of Egypt. I love how they made the depiction how when um, Moses was crossing that uh, Red Sea and everything split and they was looking to the left and they looking to the right and there was animals there on both sides of it. There was the sea creatures on both sides. And I imagine like that's how it had to be. It had to be that way. All of these animals on each side and you think of both sides about to collapse on you, but God is saying this is the way. I strengthened you so you can make it through the valley. The salvation, the peace, the rest, the restoration, the justification, those are the weapons you need to go through the valley. Because every time you try to fall in that valley, you realize I've got too much peace in my life, too much rest. I've been restored. I'm justified. On top of all that, God is my shepherd, so he's leading me. Did he say he's anointed my cup with oil? I get anointed. I got enough to give away. I went through the valley, then I started giving stuff away. You know what's wrong with us? I mentioned earlier, man, we get saved and we like, yo, I'm about to give out some of this anointing. I am God's anointed. You're God's annoyance. Be quiet. You ain't been through nothing. You got saved and you memorized the scripture. You went to Camp Jesus for a week and now you're like, I am super Christian from the land of Judah. And all that stuff you learned in camp, you ain't let God take you through anything. So, and that's why a lot of young folks, they get into the church, they get a position, and they leave. They don't stay, they don't build nothing. They don't go through the turmoil of dealing with the ones that's ahead of you. They don't know, they don't have no balance, no stability of nothing. They go from spot to spot because they are avoiding that valley. So then he said, my cup, uh, he said, um, he prepared a table before me to press my enemy. He anoints my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. His goodness and his mercy is stalking you. He says his goodness and his mercy will follow him. It's stalking him. His grace and his mercy. So in other words, the things that's going to be around you, his mercy. right? He's going to keep you from the things you deserve because some of us deserve to get in trouble. Right? So his mercy is there. Then it's his grace. Like, man, you don't even understand my goodness, the things I kept you from. That's what's going to follow you when you start to show the light in the valley. His grace and his mercy. Then it says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So that either means I'm going to dwell in his presence forever on this earth, or I'm living with him in eternity. It says in Psalms 27, verse 13, I am confident in this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. God's goodness does not mean you're going to have a good day every day. God's goodness means I can see them over there and I can see them smiling. I can say that's God's goodness. I can see children playing and say that is God's goodness. So now I have all of this stuff in me now. I was not able to give anything out. Until I allowed myself to have peace, rest, be restored, be justified, and actually go through the valley and trust God while I'm in the valley. 
I had to trust him in the valley. Now I can come out. Now my enemies can see who God is in my life. And now the anointing that's in my heart, now it's going to spill over to everyone. It did not just say, right, it's going to go to the people who was cheering me on. It's for everybody. Because what it says in the book of Proverbs, when your ways please the Lord, even, even making enemies at peace with you. Now your flesh has to submit to the spirit man in you because you're allowing that light to shine. But you got to know what's wrong with you. If you don't know what's wrong with you, how can you ever go forward? Right? If you avoid that valley so, so, so God can show you what's wrong with you, what has to be fixed. Right? Because when you start to see what's wrong with you, you start to see what's strong with you. That light will show you what's strong with you. So now we got David kicked out by his peoples, got to go deliver something back to, to the kingdom, back to Saul. And now we hear about Goliath, and they're all scared of Goliath. Little David, right? He's saying he wants to step up and kill Goliath. Saul is like, well, you too young. He said, I had to battle, uh, I had to kill a bear and a, a lion. And what I look like a bear and a lion to me is always our emotions. Because a lion, a, a, a lion goes after your throat and a bear can knock your head off. And our emotions take us there. Right? If I battle a bear and a lion, if I battle my emotions when no one is around, who is Goliath? Right? So then Saul tries to give him his armor. How are you going to give me the armor you was going to run away in? That's like somebody trying to give you the advice they won't even take. Here they is trying to tell you how to save money. And then they say, yeah, well, well, I'm about to be evicted. What? So then he picks up the five stones and he kills them. He didn't fight Goliath. He didn't fight a bear or a lion. He killed them. And everyone's looking at 17-year-old David and his light shined. Because I've been through so much in that valley I've been through so much in that valley that this thing right here cannot take me down. And now how the Lord blessed me pub privately, I'm about to show you guys publicly. I will kill Goliath because I know what God killed in me. So if you want it, so, so they, then they went on to start telling David, well, David, when they say Saul killed thousands, but David killed ten thousands. That's what your influence does. I tell them young men in their jail, I say, listen, you start showing what's in your heart. You start letting the Lord clean you out. You will no longer be known for your records. You'll just be known for the things you record. So it's no longer about what you did wrong. It's all about how you move going, how you do going forward with that light that's shining in them dark times. So what's next? It's like you breathing on your last breath. You fret because life threats got you depressed will realize that you bless, you alive in your mess, Christ died for your stress. We rise over death. You open, you focus, then you know where you're going. You're growing and glowing and folks start to take notice. It's something inside you don't know that you're showing. They want what you have. They want to move forward. Just think for a moment. You wake up in the morning. You just woke up. So stop the morning. You were chosen before birth to shake this whole earth, expose the folks hurt, and show them the Lord's verse. John 3.3, 3, that's straight to the point. John 3.3. 16 and backs up the point. So say to the top with the loudest voice, and I'll meet you up there, and we'll all rejoice. I'll, before I pray, I wanted just a testimony with that. So that I, I came up with that in 2008. I was thinking, 
I was, I was, um, I was 26. I was a, a youth leader with Keith, but he told me I couldn't help out for a while. Boy, I was mad. <laughs> oh, I was mad. I said, well, I'll just start my own joint. I don't care. <laughs> uh, my office was going to be huge, right? And I was walking from, uh, okay, I was walking from Lyle Road to Henrietta every day to work. I'm trying to figure out what would be a, a, a distance. And, you know, if I, if I did that here, it was very, very long. And um, I was at a dark time because God was telling me to stop leaning on other people's words about me and start hearing his voice for myself. Stop trying to go to everyone's prophetic word about me and start hearing God for myself. And sometimes God will use people to cut things off so you can just trust him. Because as long as Keith had me in the youth ministry helping out, I never would have got to the point to where I am right now, where I had to walk 10, 15 miles to get to work every day to actually hear God's voice. And that's where that rap came from, where I'm like, you know what? My light still has to shine no matter what. So, Father God, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for who you are. Um, thank you. Thank you for uh, the light in the valley, Lord. We can only see what's wrong with us if we're saved, if we got your peace, if we got your rest, if we got your restoration and your justification. Then only then, Father God, you can trust us in the valley. So we can see death, Father God. We can see the evil, but then trust the light that's exposing it, Father God. And then only then we can step out and be a blessing to others. And then only then, Father God, we can rest with you for eternity. So I pray, Father God, for every person in here, no matter the race, no matter the age, Father God, that you continue to take us through those valleys so that light in us can destroy the darkness in us so we can now be a light in life to the ones you sent to us, no matter what community that we're in. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message inspired, encouraged, and challenged you in your walk with Jesus. Join us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. in person at Orange High School or online via our YouTube channel. For more information about Gen Life or to connect with us, visit generationlifechurch.com.